The Murder on the Eastern Asia, specifically Japan, Bound Express by Ian Smith Chapter 1 The Facts Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Captain Starboard speaking, thanking you once again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises, the finest choice in luxury submarine travel. We are currently floating at an altitude of minus 900 feet and at a cruising speed of 9 knots. If you look out starboard, you can see a metaphor from a love life in the empty, lonely, yet optimistic ocean we call Pacific, assuming you see through steel. The seatbelt sign is non-existent, so feel free to move about the cabin as you already have been. I don't blame you. We're all cats in the game of curiosity. Cabin crew, prepare to stand by while I find the pencil I knocked over in my own cat-like state. The handful of restless passengers, fatigued from the already long journey, peer around the cabin of the canteen, no one quite sure their starboard from port or if that really mattered to understand the metaphor. The canteen was a hard mess of unforgiving metal, dressed in forgiving cushions and no forgiveness-necessary linens. Decorative vases and oil paintings of oil-filled vases cramped the already tight room, hardly concealing the slew of pipes running the length of the walls. Hanging chandeliers above each table sway gently, back and forth with the ocean's current, casting short, wobbly shadows over the matted red carpet in the aisle. Uh, found the pencil. Our luxury cruise sub is now entering Japanese waters, and uh, with the spicier sequel to the First World War underway, we may experience some combat-related turbulence as we get closer to mainland Japan. In case of an attack, we will need all hands on deck. Not literally, there's a torpedo room in the bow. Unless a Japanese warship is detected, in which case we'll surface with all hands on deck after you retrieve the guns under your cushions. That can also be used as a flotation device. In a few minutes, my stepdad, Todd, will be serving complimentary champagne to complement the complimentary dry oysters. Thank you again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises, the only war-friendly luxury cruise in the Pacific. I don't know why the captain keeps saying that. Lucille von Berg grumbles to her adult daughter, Carol, from across the table, bundling herself in her fur coat to assert status despite the heat. They're not the only luxury submarine crews in the Pacific. I mean, what about Specific Pacific? You already know, Mother, that we're only on Pacific Specific because Specific Pacific had a captain who wasn't stab-proof. Oh, of course, darling. The lower class resort to all sorts of primitive things for fun. No, no, Mother. It was that mugging we read about in that newspaper you spotted those orphans with. Well, shame on that mugger. Ending up on the front page of a newspaper for orphans to see. That's why they cancelled our voyage on the submarine. We had to switch to this one. Such poor judgment on his part. As if a luxury submarine captain would even have money as to steal. Well, I say good riddance. A life is only as valuable as its bank account. Agreed. The service on this submarine is terrible. We've been clinking these light bulbs for hours. When is that champagne getting here? 
if your father was here... Well, Daddy isn't here. Daddy was drafted into this silly war. And I wrote to him that we would be vacationing out his way. Oh, I hope he decides to meet us instead of making excuses as usual about orders and men in trees. It was quite silly of him to have gotten drafted in the first place. Downright selfish, even. Leaving us to go on his little war safari. I don't understand. Dad, why he didn't bribe his way out like they did the Bumberban boy? He wanted to, but there was that credenza I had to have. It does fill the space in the credenza room better than Father ever did. Pity might not get to see it. Sorry to interrupt, but did I hear you say Bumberman? My word. An eavesdropper? <laughs> I didn't mean to startle you. I just think I know who you're talking about. Neville Bumderman, is that right? That's right. He's a wicked, vile, despicable, little son of an allegorical bitch. How is it you know him? <laughs> I'm his uncle. What a small world, ain't it? I won't beg your pardon. I'm entitled to it. But are you rich enough to be speaking to us? Well, I sure hope so. Let me introduce myself. Richard Texas, millionaire olive oil baron from New Hampshire. Hmm, yes. And what is it you do? Oil! Yee That's what the driver puts into the car, isn't it? If it's not, it should be. It's not. No? No, don't do that. So, how's it you know my nephew, Mrs... Von Berg. Lucille Von Berg, millionaire inheritance baron. And this is my daughter, Carol. Hmm, charmed, I'm sure. Not really. Well, I beg to differ. Carol, don't beg. Heads turn to watch the wheel of the kitchen portal slowly turn to the sound of jazz. I should have brought some oil for that there wheel. The porthole door swings open even slower, building suspense no one asked for, but all quietly welcomed. Behind it, an elderly tuxedoed man appears and wedges himself through the doorway, his frail body trembling and shaking under the weight of the champagne glass tower balanced on his tray. A little quicker, boy. This must be the stepdad we've been waiting for. Are you Todd? Huh? I said, I said, are you Todd? What? Todd shuffles down the aisle towards Lucille and Carol's table and places champagne next to their light bulbs. Sir, from the left, you have absolutely bungled this trip, Todd. Who's a bungler? So, back to my nephew, how do you two know that old ragpot Neville? Neville is the neighbor boy in the slightly smaller mansion next door. You must know the slight less welfare owners, then. Yep, that's Barbara, my older sister. I think you might be the neighbor she's mentioned. Interesting how we'd run into each other like this. What's interesting is the snail reproductive cycle and also why she's disclosing our personal business. Neville steps in one bear trap in the backyard we annex from them and she goes running off to the papers. It was more about him not getting into the college they wanted like they planned. That seems to happen to those who deserve it. How unfortunate. proper. There was also some talk of admissions being pressured to reject him by a slightly larger donor. 
I wouldn't know anything about that. Well, if we're all getting to know each other, I'd like to make your acquaintances. Lucille, Carol, and Richard slowly turn their heads to the ghastly sight of a commoner in their midst. Hi, um, I'm Joyce. Hammers now. No longer Joyce de Cunnings ever since the divorce. <laughs> My God! Informal grammar on a luxury cruise? What tax bracket are you in, dear? <laughs> I know I'm not rich like the rest of y'all. Y'all? What in tarnation? I just figured this is a new chapter in my life and I should save for something big that's just for me. And when I heard about this luxury cruise to Japan, it seemed like a sign that I should... Is she paid by the hour or by the word? Waiter, the lower class is harassing us. Todd slowly turns to see who yelled Walter with just enough force to send his tower of champagne crashing like the stock market. Which was still topical at this period of time. He picks up the only intact glass from amongst the armada of shards covering the ground and places it in front of the last passenger in the room, a dark-haired figure huddled in the corner where he could keep the whole room in view. I should have brought some oil for that there champagne tap. Look what you've done, Joyce. Glass everywhere, like some Irish neighborhood. Reminds me of the time we gave Neville that piñata. Oh, no, sorry, I, I wasn't trying to harass anyone, I okay, just... Okay, you're not interested in buying anything, thank you. I'm... I'm not sure if there's been a misunderstanding. And what about you, sir? The affluent trio turn their gaze to the man in the corner, ignoring Joyce completely so she can learn her place. Uh, who? Me? Yes, you. The one everyone in the room's looking at. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. You don't know your name, or you don't know your net salary. It, uh, it is complicated. The mystery man picks up his glass and shakes off the excess shards onto the ground with the others. Well, he's got one good idea. Adding to the mess. A toast. To celebrate the almost end of this trip. Yeah, yeah. And to not letting a world war stop us from vacationing where we want. Yeah. Here, here. That's right. No global issue can stop Americans from doing what they want when they want. Yeah. Here, here. And to my new freedom as a Would single... Would you shut up, Joyce? Wait, she's doing it again! This is why we need proof of W-2. Without the civility wealth brings... These people just become animals. Ignore her and her roots. Let's get on with our toast. To the soon-to-be end of our safe voyage. Yeah, yeah. What is happening? Why are the lights out? Are we being attacked like the captain foreshadowed? We should go to the torpedo room. Shut up, Joyce. The lights flicker back on as everyone regains their balance. Todd, the only one unaffected, as he shuffles back towards the kitchen door. The room is in complete disarray as the passengers straighten themselves up. Paintings, vases, and the candy wrappers Richard had been stuffing into the vases lay strewn across the floor. The chandeliers swung like party lights at a rave from the momentum. These chandeliers are swinging around like party lights at a rave, if there ever were such a thing. Is everyone all right? Ow. I'm fine. No one asked Joyce. What 
happened? That can't be normal. I should have brought some oil for them there chandeliers. Uh, this is Captain Starboard speaking. We seem to have struck a sea mine on the starboard side, but the radar is plugged back in, so we shouldn't expect any more difficulty for the duration of our voyage. Thank you again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises. We ask that you just sit back, relax, and don't panic. Ah! Oh my god, he's dead! Just said, don't panic. Oh my god, he's dead! Who? Everyone follows Carol's gaze, and not Joyce's, down the aisle to discover the body of the dark-haired man face down in the aisle, arms pinned to his side by the oil painting he was comically stuffed through. Blood gushes past the broken glass stem stuck in his neck, through the rug into the grate below. Well, let's not jump to conclusions now. Maybe he's just asleep. Maybe it was an accident. Or maybe it was Mirdale. The room spins around to see a stranger. A plump, well-groomed man in a grey wool suit and a self-grown moustache standing tall, eyes fixed on the corpse. Who are you? Shut up, Joyce. He steps towards the body, eyes darting over every detail as he buttons his coat. The other passengers are stunned, as the man seems to have appeared out of thin air. Did you appear out of fat air or something? Who are you? I am Inspector Mademoiselle Perrault. Mademoiselle? Oui. It is a common first name in Belgium. But you weren't here a minute ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotnoy Perrault? I was hiding under the table because of my social anxiety, but... Now it appears a murder has been committed, and I must do my job. And do you also work in oil? No, madame, I am an inspector. I solve cases by inspecting things, but I never touch. No. The victims are to me like strippers at McMurphy's on Thursday nights, perhaps after seven. The Atlanta location? They are, how you say in English, a franchise. I'm aware. So, mademoiselle... What do we do now? Is this a crime scene? Are we all suspects? Please, Mademoiselle Joyce, I request you speak no more for the duration of this voyage. What? What is happening? Why does everyone hate me? So, Mademoiselle, what do we do now? Is this a crime scene? Are we all suspects? Yes. I am afraid for the time being you are all suspects in the murder of this man. From now until we reach our destination, I will investigate this murder to find the culprit, and as a backup, we will put the blame on Joyce. Hold on. What do you mean, put the blame Enough on Joyce? Speak when spoken to, you heathen. My word. The lack of manners on this one. Has Joyce been like this all day? It's poor parenting. No wonder they spent all their money on newspapers instead of health care. Come on, that's not even close to Enough. Inspector Paul Ryder does not work under such wretched conditions. Now, as I was saying, I will investigate who has killed this man to find our culprit. But who is he? To the innocent, a nobody. The inspector pulls out an embroidered white handkerchief from his coat pocket and crouches next to the body. To the murderer, a business partner, a childhood bully, an ex-lover perhaps? Has anyone been inside this man? Or vice versa? 
Wait, Inspector, you said you don't touch the victims. I do not. But you're touching him right now. You're rummaging through his pockets. Oh, no, no. I, I touch the handkerchief. The handkerchief touches the body. I do not touch the body. It really is the same thing. It is not the same thing. I touched the handkerchief. Transitive property. That's right, the, the transmitted property. It is not the transitive property, it is simple semantics. I touched the they can touch the body. It is the same road McMurphy's, and if the Darcy's, I see wallet. Now let's see who our mystery man is. Inspector Porar pulls out the man's wallet from his pants pocket and opens it. A few crinkled bills, a faded picture of an otter, an ID card among others. The inspector stuffs the otter picture and money into his coat pocket. What did you just take? Finders keepers. His name is Ivan Nobatov. Does this name mean anything to any of you? No. No. No, no, not not me. Or so you claim. By the looks of it, he would appear to have a broken glass stem in his neck. But perhaps the body is only resting on it. Nope, 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 nope. That was in there pretty deep. I'm going to be sick. I'll just put that back in. Oh, yeah. goodness. Oh. Right. He's brandy. I should not have pulled that out. This is worse than Joyce's mess. Where is Todd to clean this up? So he was stabbed in the neck. Is that what you think killed him? Of course. Look. What else would it have been? It could be a cover-up for the true murder. This painting he is so hilariously stuffed through. The inspector mm. kicks the lifeless corpse out of the canvas mm. to hold it up for examination. It is one I spotted before. The other paintings are all oil paintings. I noticed. Yes, the playful ambiguity of oil painting referring to both the paint and the subject. But this one, it is that of a lump of lead reminiscent of the coal I received annually during my rebellious childhood. Very serene, very... Poisonous. Poirot scratches off a few flakes of paint and holds them out for Joyce. Joyce, buddy, come here and take a taste of this, would you? Why? To see if it has lead and is therefore extremely poisonous. No! It is for science! Joyce, just do it. This isn't all about you. I'm not eating lead paint, especially after how you all have been treating me. So... You're saying if we were nicer to you before, you would have eaten that there paint, no question? That explains a lot about you now, doesn't it? Disgusting habit from her youth, no doubt. It is not! Quiet, Joyce, this is not a flea market. We speak with civility. Stupid idiot. Well, despite the undeserved difficulty, I am almost positive this is lead paint. And if it is... There is a possibility that our Mr. Nabatov died of lead poisoning. Impossible. There wouldn't be enough time to kill him. But time is relative, no? Perhaps if there was some temporary portal to another dimension, one more time moved more quickly. Blinding red warning lights alert the passengers to the siren announcing the warning lights. What's happening? Another seaman? We didn't hit anything. This is Captain Starboard speaking. We have detected an enemy Japanese submarine in the area and are requesting all passengers to place their tray tables in the upright position and head on down to the torpedo room for merciless retaliation for Pearl Harbor.
Carol, Inspector Poro, and frustrated Joyce follow the stairwell down to the labyrinth of a lower deck. Let's try this way. Poro leads the passengers through the maze of corridors, running past luxury accommodation they've never been able to find. So there's the puppy room. What's a procrastination room? We can find out later. Onward! I see the torpedo room just ahead. Quickly, inside! Inspector Poirot removes his white handkerchief again and inspects the breach door of the torpedo tube. Is the breach locked? It is. What should I do? Go home, Joyce. Everybody, hang on. Reload. I don't want to die. Carol, the torpedo, it is too heavy. I have to shoot the other one. Help, Joyce. I can't lift it. You are useless to everyone in your life, Joyce. I'm here. I found it. Richard, help us. <laughs> Got it. Firing. <laughs> Why are you cheering, Joyce? You didn't do anything. Uh, this is Captain Starboard speaking. The radar indicates the threat has been neutralized with minimal damage to our vessel, so, uh, GG, everyone. With the tailwind to our tail providing wind, we should be expecting to quite possibly have a small to moderate chance of perhaps conceivably arriving uh, right on schedule. Uh, for all we know. Maybe. We'll see. Captain Crew, prepare for end of announcement. The relief that had washed over the passengers trickles away quickly as they take account of the room. Wait just a Pied Piper minute now. Who's missing? Yay, where is... Lucille! Lucille! I said it first. She did not return from her room. We must find her. Perhaps she is disposing of the very evidence we need. She wouldn't. This isn't like her. You don't know that. How long have you even known your mother? There is no time for this. Quickly! The four race back up the metal stairs, calling out for Lucille. Lucille? Lucille! Shut up, Joyce! Does anyone remember the way back? Oh, I, I, I inspect it is this way. No, over there. Ah, of course, stairs, follow me! The inspector stops the group at the top of the stairs, pausing to listen for any signs of Lucille. If she is our culprit, she could be anywhere. We need to split up. It's not her. I pray it is not, but we need to split up. Carol, I need you to unfortunately go with Joyce to check the quarters. I will take Richard to the canteen room towards the tickle fight room and search for her there. Um, maybe I should go with Carol? She shouldn't have to succumb to Joyce being herself. No, monsieur. I have plans for us in the tickle room I can no longer put off. Come! Richard gives Carol a look of regret before chasing after Pierrot. 
Carol turns with a sigh, avoiding Joyce entirely to traipse towards the sleeping quarters. Uh, let's get this over with. I'm not a bad person. Having not heard Joyce's whining to slow them down, Inspector Poirot and Richard arrive at the canteen. Fair warning. I sometimes get adult-onset diarrhea when I am tickled, so prepare to... (gasps) The pair freeze upon looking up to see Lucille in the middle of the aisle, hands clasped to her mouth as she shakes. Lucille? Oh, sorry. Lucille? Is that you? It must be. Look at the elbows. They step over Nabatov's mangled, bloody corpse in the aisle to confirm it was, in fact, Lucille attached to those elbows. Smells like her, too. Not that I ever... Oh, oh, God. On the ground before them was Todd, his dead eyes staring past the ceiling above, blood pools around Todd's head, shimmering under the swaying chandeliers in the hollow silence. His jungle of nose hair is either paralyzed with fear, or our dear Todd is no longer breathing. Lucille, what did you do? End chapter one. Hey kids, what do you want for dinner? I want pizza. I want tacos. I want to go live with daddy. Tired of your family not agreeing on what to eat for dinner? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Are you tired of your family not agreeing on what to eat for dinner? Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. Not now, Tyler. I I don't know, I guess. Listen, I gotta get the kids home for- What if I told you there's a way to fix that problem? Like a delivery app or something? I have a ton already. I'm really not interested. I'm talking about an app for your soul that's not an app at all. Are you also high? Come with me on down to the interstellar church of science for salvation from those pesky dinner disagreements. What the fuck is going on? Um, I'm scared. I want daddy. That's right, folks. Come on down to the interstellar church of science compound on Route 8 for all your soul healing needs. Doug is here to shine his light on your hearts and minds with leisurely activities like badminton, good mitten, volleyball mitten, clap-alongs. Clap of hearts. 4 a.m. shouting matches with the neighbors over what they call suspicious activity. My yard. I can do anything I want with it at any time I want. Okay? It's a free country. And I can. This is not a cult, you piece of shit. This is a religious persecution. It's my right to make a cult. I'll make a thousand more cults if I want. I'm calling the police, and I'm making sure they come out here with a search warrant this time. Oh, no, you're not, you piece of shit. Hey, get off me. Evidence burying. Collective denial. We haven't seen him in days, officer. Board games. Kayaking. Yaking. And so much more, all after a generously mandatory donation of $8,000. So leave your complicated life behind and join the thought-free communal federation of love that is the ICFS today for the impending doomsday revolution foretold in the Jenkinson prophecy just past chugging old parties at the corner. We even offer free transportation. Hey, what's going on? Get off me! Let go of Dr. Raymond Pants Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. 
To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.